Every facet of the fashion industry, including influencer marketing, is changing. In this series, we ask those on the front lines to speak candidly about the future of fashion. I'm Hilary Milnes, and this is The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business. The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business is brought to you in association with Klarna, the leading global payments and shopping service that lets shoppers buy now and pay later. Visit Klarna.com to find out how you can increase your average order value, drive traffic, and create a smooth checkout experience by adding a buy now, pay later option to your website. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Future of Fashion by Vogue Business. I'm your host, Hilary Milnes. Influencer marketing, once on the fringe of fashion, is on track to becoming a $15 billion business in the next two years. The power of these online personalities has changed the way fashion retailers market to customers and companies like Revolve have centered their strategies around them. As the industry has grown, it's also become more complex and crowded, forcing those on the front lines to keep evolving. Here today to discuss the evolution of the influencer is Raisa Girona, Revolve's chief brand officer, and Kenya Claiborne, the founder, editor, and influencer behind Style and Society. Thank you both for being here. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Of course. So I really am excited to talk about this topic because it's something that I think, you know, so many people in the space have been following for years and we've gone through so many iterations of the discussion from the influencer bubble is bursting to influencers are here to stay. Raisa, I would love to have you start and discuss a bit on where you think influencer marketing is right now. Where is it positioned in fashion and what's that relationship like between the influencer and the brand? So I think, you know, in terms of their their reach, it's more powerful than ever. I think that they're going to continue to grow um, as, you know, specific individuals, but also as a whole. At Revolve, we've seen, you know, when we started working with influencers over a decade ago, from just a handful of influencers to now working with over 7,000. And that, to, to me, it's not even really, you know, scratching the surface with the, the many influencers that are obviously very active on multiple social media channels, which is another thing that I'm sure we'll cover at some point in this interview is that there's just so many new influencers that are coming on board and specific to different platforms. Absolutely. And and on that idea of, you know, the role of the influencer is and how that's changed from having a community and and also being someone who can, you know, effectively sell products to that audience. Um, Kenny, I'd love to have you talk a bit about how you grew your audience and how you tow that line between having that engaged community um, and then also having a business that that is behind your platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So my story is a little bit different in the fact that I actually started my career actually working in corporate America. As a creative outlet, I started my own platform called Style and Society as a way to share my love of food, fashion, travel, entertainment, lifestyle, beauty with the world. And, you know, over time, Style and Society continued to grow and it grew so big where I I couldn't continue working full time and then dedicating full time to growing my business. And so I left and went full time with Style and Society. And at the same time, my online presence on social media began to grow as well. And I started working with more and more brands across all of those platforms and kind of transitioned into um, an influencer as well. So I I really balanced both in terms of um, being a business owner, entrepreneur, and being a full-time influencer. 
Raisa, do you want to talk a bit about how Revolve has developed its influencer strategy and what that idea of authenticity actually means? Because when paid partnerships come into the mix, um, you know, I think audiences have a natural question around what is the motivation behind this? Um, is this actually, you know, something that the the influencer believes in? How has Revolve managed to make sure that everything that your team is working on is fitting in with that? So when we started working with influencers before they were called influencers, when they were called bloggers, it was always, you know, very important to align ourselves with influencers and bloggers that truly understood the brand and that were fans of the brand. And I think that's something that we've done from the start till this day. And so for us, when working with influencers, it's do they really embody what Revolve is about? Are they aspirational? Um, you know, can they really put out content that will inspire our customers? Because at the end of the day, when we work with influencers, we want to make sure that we trust them to create content that they feel really good about. Um, you know, one of the, you know, quote unquote secret sauce I think of Revolve is that we don't give, you know, very, you know, strict direction to our influencers on exactly what to write and exactly what to post. I think um, we give them a lot of creative freedom. We really see them as partners um, that we have this incredible mutually beneficial relationship with them that not only do they get to create content that they're really proud of and get to wear the clothes that they really, you know, want to wear. Um, but we're also trying to make sure that we help them grow. Um, and obviously in turn help them, you know, get other brand deals. And so I think, you know, the idea of being authentic has always, always been the most important thing for Revolve. Um, and that's been since day one. Yeah. And to your point on making sure that you're giving these influencers that you're working with creative freedom, do you think that that's something that's been harder for for fashion brands at large to really manage? Because it feels like an industry that is used to having full control over how it appears um, and the messages that it's putting out to the world and the imagery and everything um, that comes with that. So working with an influencer, you really have to give the reins to someone else. And when it's um, when brands try to control it too much, it comes off forced and you lose that authenticity that you need so much. So how have you seen fashion really adapt to that idea of not having full control over campaigns when, the, when working with influencers? I mean, I think it's been uh, really an evolution and I've seen brands, you know, when I'm obviously scrolling through my Instagram feed where I'm like, oh man, like they, it doesn't sound like them. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't sound like the influencer. I know that they were, you know, told exactly what to say and how to post. And I think that's one of the the biggest mistakes, quite frankly, of, of brands. And, and this happens a ton with really big brands and luxury brands because they want that control and that's what they're used to. And I think for Revolve and, and some of the more, um, you know, digital guys that, you know, grew up in this kind of age of you know, social media is that the, again, the authenticity and allowing people to be more creative and, and looking at influencers as their own editors, as their own magazines and letting them speak kind of their language to their community has really, has really paid off. Kenya, is that something you've dealt with when working with brands or trying to decide whether or not to work with brands? You know, where, how do you make sure that your voice is coming through and that everyone is basically getting what they want out of it and it's a positive partnership? You know, when I work with brands, um, it is really important that 
my voice is heard, but still, you know, fulfills the, you know, requirements of the brand and the brand campaign and the deliverables. So, you know, definitely when choosing to work with brands, it really spans the gamut. So, you know, it, it spans from brands being super controlling, you know, micromanaging, you know, your caption and exactly what time to post the content and exactly what the content, you know, should look like to other brands that, you know, give influencers, um, you know, more freedom. I definitely think with the pandemic, I think more brands are, you know, more open to influencers, you know, being able to use their voice. I think I've definitely seen that. I've definitely seen the messaging of campaigns change to being a little bit more uh, geared towards messaging that goes along with, you know, how to be supportive to one another, you know, how to, you know, band together, you know, when it comes to different movements like the Black Lives Matter movement or like voting or, you know, just, you know, safer at home, um, you know, all of those different messagings. But I I definitely have seen like a shift during the pandemic of, um, you know, really brands looking to influencers to really use their own voice and to best craft the message for their audience. That's really interesting. And and I'm curious why you think that is, because I you could almost see it going both ways during something that is, you know, has everyone really heightened and like the pandemic transitioning right into the Black Lives Matter protests. Tensions have been high. There's been a lot of unrest. Uh, why do you think influencers almost played a bigger role for for brands during that time rather than, you know, brands communicating directly with their customers, what have you? I think there's been a shift towards overall, just like raw, uncut and like real content. You know, I think, um, you know, TikTok played a little bit of a role in that, um, you know, because they really surged during the pandemic. And, you know, they brought something, I think, new and different in a different perspective to the social media space. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, these really highly styled, you know, professional looking videos. They were raw and uncut mostly done with their smartphone. And so I just think overall, um, you know, right now, especially with the, you know, earlier this year, so like March and April, you know, it was really about campaigns slimming their budgets because we didn't know what was going to come next. We didn't know how this was going to last into, you know, around the Black Lives Matter movement. And when we got to like June and July, and then now you're seeing a lot more brands doing more campaigns with influencers and, um, but still looking for that raw, uncut, you know, content. Yeah, there was definitely a pivot to this, almost taking the sheen off of content and brand imagery that that we saw. And Raisa, did you have a, a similar experience with Revolve? I know so much of your influencer strategy was based around trips. And so obviously without those, you guys had to pivot. Absolutely. <laughs> and Hillary, it was really challenging. Um, but, you know, I think the silver lining to a lot of this is that, you know, we were able to kind of go to things that we, we knew how to do, right? So one, first and foremost, is social media and obviously our, our platform on Instagram. And then second was our influencer network, you know, knowing that we couldn't travel and who, know, who knows when we can really, you know, get back out there and have these really big events and, and these really incredible trips. We tapped into those two things and, and, and immediately released a, a campaign called Revolve Around the House, which is a 
you know, a take on our ongoing travel campaign called Revolve Around the World. And we immediately saw, you know, hundreds of our influencers helping out, you know, in, in a way and saying like, you know what, let's, as Kenya said, let's, we're in this together. Let's figure out how to create content, how to inspire our community and help each other out because we knew that the influencers were also, you know, grounded at home and potentially not having work. And and for Revolve, you know, it was the same. We didn't know what to do. And so I think coming together and figuring out how to inspire people um, and, and get behind one another was really, to me, something very special. We got the, the campaign off the ground pretty immediately, I would say within a couple of days, um, you know, obviously have, you know, thousands of posts at this point. We also launched a campaign on TikTok and we really just maximize our, um, our channel on Instagram to, you know, create more videos through Instagram live, obviously, uh, IGTV, which is another great platform for us. Um, and so I think, you know, again, with the pandemic, it's allowed us to expand our marketing playbook beyond what we've known for, which is, you know, traveling and having these, these, these incredible parties. And that's that's interesting to hear just the ways that different platforms and different features on these platforms came into play as you were pretty much all hands on deck needing to pivot really quickly. Um, had TikTok been part of your your strategy already? Very minimally. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth on this. If, you know, we, were we too late? Should we have, you know, gone, you know, two years ago? And I think, you know, in, in hindsight that it was actually the best timing. I think when TikTok first launched, it was really specific to, you know, creating these dance and singing videos. And what we've seen is that the last two years, and it's most especially the last, you know, seven, eight months of the pandemic, that's really evolved where there's now influencers on TikTok that's doing specific content to fashion. And that's something that I was personally looking for, you know, when making an investment to, you know, join a platform, what is relevant to our customer? Um, And now we see that, you know, again, there's multiple thousands of of TikTok influencers that's solely focused on fashion, showing outfits, giving inspiration versus it being, you know, these dance videos, um, which is how, you know, it started when it launched. And I think that then takes us to this idea of what um, will the upcoming generation Gen Z want to see from influencers, from brands on social media? How has Revolve kind of taken that into consideration? I know it's a very millennial brand, um, but always evolving its strategy. What does TikTok look like in terms of the Gen Z strategy? How does Instagram fit into that? And essentially, just what does this younger customer want to see from this type of content? I mean, I think Kenya touched on it a lot um, is the fact that, you know, they want it when we say the word authentic. I mean, I think Gen Z wants it to the most raw form. You know, I think in the millennial um, kind of authentic uh, definition, it was being yourself, but still having the most perfect images and, you know, making sure like the perfect light and you just look perfect. I think Gen Z is more raw. Gen Z is also more um, open in terms of the type of influencers that they want to see. And that's really been welcoming to, to, to revolve. And especially someone that, you know, obviously helps to, to craft that brand message is, you know, a wider net of influencers that we can work with. I think before we were, you know, really focused on mid to super influencers is what we call them, you know, in-house, but now really, really being able to work with smaller 
you know, micro influencers from obviously all over the world. I mean, we've always worked with all different types of influencers, but now I think it's even more wider. And then again, that very raw kind of messaging and photography and video capture of just really truly being yourself. And I think that, you know, again, it takes a different and more dynamic definition of authentic. Yeah. And and Kenya, as you look at the ways that platforms are changing, whether that's Instagram, I know that they've been adding a lot of new features, pushing sales directly onto the Instagram platform. You have TikTok up and coming. How do you build your strategy around these platforms? And is there a sense of, you know, just a vulnerability to being too reliant on platforms and the changes that they might make? Well, I definitely think whether you're a brand or an influencer, you have to have your finger on the pulse of like what's going on in social media. I think moving forward to the future of influencer marketing, you're going to see more video content and more short form content. You know, on TikTok, they're continuously evolving and coming up with new themes and new challenges for the creators on that platform. So, you know, I definitely think um, staying competitive, utilizing more video content. Um, In fact, I'm actually, um, I live in Los Angeles, but I'm actually on an influencer trip in Miami right now with Southwest Airlines in a hotel here. So, you know, the travel industry has began to reemerge and, you know, they're looking for creators to really document their travel experience and and what kind of like the new normal looks like today. And being able to to tell that story through Instagram Reels, through uh, IG Live and through YouTube and, you know, all the other platforms that exist out there. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, to hear just that, that the influencer trip has started to come back. Rice, I'm interested to hear from you in terms of the investment that Revolve has put into influencers over the years, which, you know, comes around in so many different capacities from just partnerships to collections that launch exclusively on the platform during such a hard time um, as it has been for fashion retail over the course of the pandemic. Have these influencer um, partnerships been a way to recoup any losses are having that established base of an influencer network. Did that work in, in Revolve's advantage? I think so. I mean, for us, you know, again, having kind of had that experience and that rapport and the relationships with influencers like Kenya that we can, you know, directly reach out to and, you know, kind of let them know what the state of the business is. And I think, you know, when the pandemic hit, that's exactly what we did. My budget obviously was cut significantly. And so, you know, the team and I had to be as creative as possible. And again, going to the two things that we, we knew, you know, we could execute on pretty well, Instagram and our influencer network, we did just that. And I think letting them know that, Hey, we're not going to be traveling, We're not going to have events and we don't know when we're going to be doing that, but can we still put out content that we can both get behind? Can you help us continue to inspire our customers? And and we had an an immense amount of support from our influencers. And so I think, you know, as crazy as the pandemic has been, it has brought us even closer together than I think before. And and, And I hope that when things, you know, get better. And, and Kenya, I'm so happy to hear that somebody else is doing a trip. (laughs) I'm I'm just waiting to do one. Um, you know, we can, we can go back to, and, and, and kind of continue to, to evolve our relationship. And again, 
the end of the day, for us, influencers are true ambassadors of the brand, and they are able to reach customers and new fans that Revolve can. And they've always been an extension of the brand. And we hope to just continue that relationship, you know, post pandemic. I mean, honestly, like that's what as a brand, what we really need, especially with, you know, Revolve is it's a publicly traded company now and people have a lot of opinions about things. And and that's kind of why we've been, you know, a little bit more shy to pull the trigger of traveling because we feel like we're going to get that backlash. And I think you working with tourism boards in Southwest, and these are obviously massive, massive, massive companies, will allow brands to get out there and start to travel again and, and, and actually just start to, to show people that, you know, we can have a new norm and we can continue to run our business because ultimately that's what we're all trying to do. Even as an influencer, everyone is just trying to get back to running their business. Yeah. And, and Kenya, especially now as things have changed so drastically, what advice do you have for brands that are trying to figure out how to work with influencers going forward, if that involves trips or not? Because um, I'm sure on both sides, you're worried about, okay, how will this be portrayed? How will this be received? And, and is there any potential backlash here? Yeah, I think brands always have to, um, you know, really think about the campaign and their marketing strategy holistically. I definitely think like right now in this climate where we're dealing with the pandemic, you know, we're dealing with still the Black Lives Matter movement. We're dealing with this election. You know, the, the mess is all about like the positioning and the messaging and, you know, making sure that, you know, the content that you're trying to push is coming through organically. Right. And I think it's about timing. So, you know, during the Black Lives Matter movement at the very beginning of it, you know, there were some brands that I was working with and I had to tell them, like, now is not the time to do a campaign for dog food, for instance, (laughs) you know, like during, you know, like so it's just it's just about timing. But I definitely think brands that are not utilizing influencer marketing or don't have an influencer marketing strategy at this point will, you know, get left behind. If you don't have an influencer marketing budget or a program or a strategy, like now is the time to get one. I think every brand should be active on social media. I think every brand should also look to, in terms of the future, really expand their influencer marketing budget. And I think one of the misconceptions is brands should only use those mega or super influencers. And I think there's a lot of value to utilizing all different types of influencers. I also think you're really expanding to um, like affiliate programs and, you know, utilizing, you know, your the brand's employees to really be able to help tell the story and just super fans of the brands that maybe not are not influencers, but, you know, they're a great addition to kind of, you know, your community. But I also think that brands should also, you know, just look to engage further with their audience. So thinking outside the box a little bit and and just making sure that the investment is there um, sounds like the most important things. Raisa, for you, I, I know Revolve is probably more advanced in terms of having an influencer strategy than, than many other fashion brands and retailers. And as you look back at what you've learned this year, what do you think will stay as part of the playbook um, that you've built going forward? And then, you know, what do you think is just most important for brands to keep in mind going into next year and figuring out how they want to, you know, market to their customers and work with influencers? 
I think, you know, the most important thing that, that I, I've taken away and, and I will continue to, uh, you know, keep with me, you know, is that you really have to be so nimble and that things can literally change overnight. And the things that you know how to do um, may not be, you know, the best things to do at the moment or at the time. And I think we were able to pivot very quickly and, and, and we were able to, again, as Kenya was mentioning, continue to communicate with our customers and our fans in the most organic and most authentic way. And I think brands who, if they're not I, I echo what Kenya's saying is, is if you're if you're not working with influencers yet, you're kind of I don't know, <laughs> I, I you know very 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 behind, <laughs> and I think you're you're losing out on an opportunity to to communicate with people in a much deeper way than a brand may not be able to, and so I think you know for twenty. 21 and beyond, it's staying nimble, staying active and knowing that, you know, when things change, it's not time to kind of panic, but it's more, you know, what can we do to stay engaged with our customer, regardless of what's happening, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's a Black Lives Movement, whether it's, you know, um, whatever, whatever else is in store for, for all of us. It's, it's that constant communication and inspiration that you, you know, have to continue to to forge forward with and, and make sure that you're utilizing influencers, I think for us definitely as a way to communicate those messages. And I think just to add on to that, Raisa, you know, I think brands should also, in terms of their influencer marketing strategy and the content that they create, their content should represent the world that we live in. So in terms of all ethnicities, all backgrounds, not just black and white, but, you know, utilizing, you know, people with disabilities, you know, the gay and lesbian community, all people from all walks of life. And, you know, I don't necessarily look like the typical influencer um, for a fashion brand. You know, I'm a little bit older than most influencers. I'm 40. I turned 40 years old this year. Um, I'm African-American. You know, I'm not stick thin. I'm not a model tall. You know, I'm an, an everyday woman and I love being able to work with brands, you know, just like Revolve and, and travel around the world with Revolve and to be able to, you know, share that story with my audience. And I just definitely think for the future, like if brands weren't working and diversifying and celebrating inclusion in their content, they should definitely start doing it now, especially the ones who during the Black Lives Matter movement made a commitment to diversity and inclusion. Um, I think consumers are going to continue to be looking at those brands to ensure that they are actually following through with, with the commitment that they've you know, outlined. Yeah, that's such an important point to raise. And and just to follow up on that, would you both agree that brands, especially in fashion, which has struggled and failed on many counts to, to be more diverse and inclusive, is it a net positive if they're working on that by working with influencers and changing who represents them as a brand? Or is it almost a, a bit of an easy solution, an easy fix? I mean, I think, I mean, you kind of have to start somewhere. I know for Revolve, I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to, you know, sugarcoat anything. We haven't been, we haven't done a, a good job at being the most diverse on our feed and obviously on, on the site. And I think, you know, as quote unquote, that might be an easy fix. I think that's one of the most important touch points with a customer. And so it's actually the most, I think one of the most key fixes to ensure that, you know, when a customer lands on Revolve's Instagram, you know, that they feel like they can see themselves in some of those images that we're posting. And I think, so it's essential. 
And then obviously there's many, many more um, changes and initiatives that a company is, you know, I can only obviously speak about revolves that we're doing to ensure that we have, you know, bigger, more impactful changes. But I do think that your social media and your influencer strategy is key to making those changes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kenya, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, you know, as Raisa said earlier, you know, for brands just to be nimble, you know, just ensure that the content that they're putting out is reflective of the world that we live in. And me being African-American, like, I can't tell you, like, how many brands I see on social media and even during the Black Lives Matter movement going on their feed and there's nobody that looks like me, you know? And so that's, it's, it's, you know, and, and it's okay. It's, it's okay for brands to, to be able to have the opportunity to change. But if you say that you're going to change, and if you say that you support diversity and inclusion, like consumers now more than ever are really looking for that follow through, you know? And like, I remember, you know, during the pandemic, during the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, TikTok, you know, immediately put out a statement that they support Black Lives Matter, but at the same time, they had blocked the Black Lives Matter hashtag on their platform, you know? And, you know, there was an uproar about that because it's like, well, how could you say you support it, but then you do this, you know? So I just think like, again, like, I know it's overused, but being authentic in your content and like the follow through and really showcasing and illustrating, you know, that commitment to diversity and inclusion. Definitely. And I think that 2020 was such a reactive year for so many in fashion that looking forward to next year, it'll be really interesting to see just how brands follow through on these commitments that you mentioned. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want to thank you both so, so much for such a great conversation and uh, for your time and insights. I really enjoyed the conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. We will be back next week. So join us again to hear from those in fashion adjusting their roadmaps to reflect an industry in flux. You can subscribe to the series on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Vogue Business website. For more coverage on the future of fashion, subscribe to the Vogue Business newsletter at voguebusiness.com. Our executive producer was Alad John. My name is Hilary Milnes. That was the future of fashion. Thank you for listening.